Welcome in to a brand new Tuesday Scramble, May 17th, 2022, week of the PGA Championship. I'm Rick Gabe, that right there. Andy, Lack, Andy, here we go. Let's fire it up. Another major championship, big week. Oh, man. For me, I mean, I have been saying for the past couple of days that I think this is going to be the best viewing experience of the year, not just for crazy architecture people like me, but I just think even if you don't care about that stuff, you're going to see golf shots being hit at Southern Hills that, you know, you're, you're really not going to get to see at any other place. So I cannot tell you how fired up I am. I just, you know, two more sleeps until Thursday, my friend. Oh, cannot wait. Uh, we are indeed presented by our friends over at Prize Picks. The code you're looking for there is Rick. The link is in the description. Make sure you've got that fired up and ready to rock and roll because in a few minutes we're going to release. Oh, we are going to release the props. These are pretty good ones. Four props we have coming on the other side. But Andy, I, I, I'm I, not even going to do the Byron Nelson re recap. Let's just dive right into the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. And uh, you've spent a lot of time uh, breaking down the golf course. There's a, an awesome article on rickrungood.com right now, so people can go read that. Let's roll it forward. What we what we already know about the course, what we've already spent all week talking about, let's talk about the types of golfers that are likely to find success and how the things that we know about the golf course are going to impact play this week. Well, I think the first thing where you have to start is with the weather. Honestly, um, it's kind of the elephant in the room right now. And, you know, it's funny because I've been texting, you know, I, when I played there, I, I kept in touch with the caddy and the, the caddy that I've been texting all week has been at Southern Hills for like 30, 30 years or, or something. And the, the joke with him. And I think a lot of the Oklahoma people, this is not the first guy from Oklahoma or, or Texas to mention this to me, but the joke with all the people that live there is like trying to predict the weather in Oklahoma, like is an absolutely is a total fool's errand. Right. Um, but as it stands now, we can only go with the information that we have. You know, we're looking at the potential of like 40 mile per hour wind gusts each day, Rick. And it's the wind is coming from the South and a southerly wind at Southern Hills is going to mean a lot of crosswind holes, right? Which I think for PGA tour pros is harder than when holes are playing straight downwind. When, when you add a crosswind into the mix, you really have to be able to hold your ball up against the wind. So, you know, I think the most interesting thing for me, the biggest storyline I think for most people is going to be tiger with Spieth in second, which I think's fair. I would put the course right up there as like a top three storyline as well. But the one thing that I think we're going to have to start with when breaking down the course is the wind. Yeah. So obviously something to track as uh, the week goes on, as you mentioned, the, the Thursday to Friday, like the sustained winds are that 18 to 20 and then gusts who the heck knows. And we'll see how that goes over the course of the next couple of days. I mean, there are uh, not to dive into the Oklahoma narrative, which I hate, but it has apparently been very windy in Oklahoma the last couple of weeks, similar to what we might get this time around. So like Victor's like, oh yeah, it's been, you know, it's been like 25 miles an hour every day here. Like no, no big deal. I hope it is windy. I'm like, oh God, let me empty the bank account on this guy. So um, how much are you considering or, or at all the Texas, Oklahoma, and any other state nearby that people generally want to lump into these narratives? 
Well, you know, I, this was the number one thing that I asked about, cause I think there's this big Oklahoma state thing. You'll actually be happy to know this too, because it applies to Victor in a positive way. But I, you know, I, I went on a golf trip to Oklahoma about 16 months ago. My, one of my close, my old roommate is, is from Oklahoma. So that's when I played Southern and, and a bunch of other courses in Oklahoma it's like New York to Philly from where all these guys live. It's not like, it's not close. Like these, right. if you're playing, you know, if you go to Oklahoma state for four years and you get to play Southern Hills once or twice, that's like a treat. Like these guys, they all live in Edmond. They practice out of a golf club called Oak tree national, where it's this short Pete die course with thick rough. Like it's not, you know, they're not at Southern every day. With that being said, you know, one of the members that I spoke to was like, you know, the one guy that I have actually seen at Southern a couple times in the last year is Victor. He hasn't seen Wolf. He hasn't seen Gooch. He hasn't seen Ricky or Norin or any of those guys, but he has seen Victor at Southern a couple times in, in, in the last year. Uh, right. So, you know, I do think that playing just in a vacuum under these conditions with the swirling winds, will help. Right. I mean, even you see it even in Texas every year when we go to these Texas PGA tour stops in May, right. As we get these swirling winds and this part of the country, Rick, there's such a variance in terms of the spread from the weather. So like it gets really, really hot in the summer months, it gets right. cold in the winter months and, and the wind is super, super variable. So yes, it's a, um, it's maybe something that you want to use as a deal breaker. If you're trying to choose between two guys, the course will be a big storyline, which is something that you mentioned. And I agree with, I'll, I'll narrow it down even more. The greens on them mm -hmm. or around them, Andy, right? I mean, the undulation on these greens, you, you hear about it, but um, there there's, we've had the stip meter out there from some guys that I have, uh, boots on the ground. They're running like a 10, which is basically as fast as you can get them to go, right? That would be slow by any major championship standard, but you literally cannot get the ball to stay on these greens if you run them any faster than that. And after uh, Gil Hans did the, the uh, not the redesign, the um, what's Historic the word? Historic renovation that he yeah. likes to call it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now these greens are already small by tour standards uh, and effectively smaller because things want to roll off the edges of them. Oh, by the way, they're incredibly guarded by bunkers. 11 <laughs> greens have four or more bunkers. Oh, by the way, they've shaved down the rough around these greens right now. It's like fairway everywhere. I, I mean, I think this championship is decided on and around these greens. Yeah. And so you spoke, you're absolutely right about the speeds, by the way, I've heard the same thing is, is that it's running out of 10, but if you have a downhill putt on one of these greens, it's, it's a 14 essentially, right. right? Like the only reason why they're slower on the stint meter is because part of what Gil Hans did is by restoring a lot of these green shapes, he wanted to give access to a lot more different pin positions. So right. you're going to see some kind of crazy wild pin positions that they just wouldn't be able to use if the greens were rolling out of 14. So you hear the number 10, you think slow. These are not slow by any means. Um, yeah, Rick. I mean, I think I played hundreds of golf courses. Might maybe the hardest around the green course that I've ever played in my life up there was Shinnecock. Probably it's the only other one I can think of. It, it is. If I didn't have a caddy, I probably would have four putted every green. And we're not talking like I'm a good golfer too. We're not talking like um, 
big giant greens where you have 60 foot putts either. Like these are smallish greens, right? Where you're, you know, a long putt on one of these greens is like a 30, 35 footer, right? So yes, you know, there are certain narratives that I like to push back on a lot of the time. I think group think can kind of take over some of these weeks, but the short game thing's real. Like the putt, the, the bent grass putting thing, the short game, especially these like tricky short grass around the green shots. Like you can't, that's it. This one is right. So to me, you have to be completely dialed in inside like 150 yards, just in general, but like 30, 40 yards with those delicate little chips. I, I cannot wait to see how this plays out. Um, I want to start talking about kind of the top of the board. There are a handful of golfers that I've got a ton of questions about. I want to discuss some um, some in-depth DFS strategy because we've got, you know, we've got ownership projections early in the week, something we are not always privy to on a, a, on a Tuesday morning because they're not generally uh, mature enough. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to take a quick 30 seconds. We'll start hitting that stuff on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy, let's start uh, breaking down the board here. But before we do, let me hit these two questions uh, from the chat. Mike Maloney says, this may be for later in the show. Might be for right now, Mike. But with the course comp uh, of being Augusta, weather, around the green play, why isn't this Cam Smith City question, Mark? It is. I mean, I, I this is so tough. I've gotten a lot of uh, questions throughout the week already. It's like, I've heard on your podcast, you haven't mentioned John Rahm, or I've heard on your podcast, you haven't mentioned Patrick Cantlay. It's like, all these guys are amazing options here. Like you just, you have, there's 15 guys. How many guys are there above 9k this week? I think 12. You could make, I could, if you give me 45 seconds on each of the guys above 9k, I could give you an incredible case on every single one of them. The issue is you have to make really tough decisions and you can't play all of them. Um, I love Cam Smith here. How do you not love Cam Smith here? But, you know, do you love him as much as you love the guy right next to him? So the difficult decisions to make, wouldn't you agree? It's like at the top, man, it's, you could make such a good case for all these guys. And a lot of, it feels like different from the masters. It feels like a lot more of the top guys are in better form outside of maybe Brooks than what we saw at the masters. No. Well, that's the thing. So not only is golf very, very deep now and has been for the last year or two, but all of them are playing well, which is not always the yes. case. You'll enter major championships and guys are struggling and they're not uh, living up to their DNA and all that fun stuff. And it's like, well, okay, I could I could argue against these guys. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that this time around. So you're right. It's They're all priced that way for an option. They're all very good options. Cam Smith... Uh, also uh, in that category as well. Eli says, in the Golf Digest Picks article, the caddy, the anonymous caddy, 
stated that around the greens will not be a problem for these players since they'll have options to use. I disagree, but could y'all address that? Um, I will not, it's hard to speak for an anonymous caddy, Andy, but, uh, Whoever he's looping for must have a good short game if he believes that. I was going to say, do you ever get um, tweets where someone goes, this guy said this, but this guy said this. Can you speak to what this guy said who said the different thing than what you said? It's like, I break down my core. I break down the course the way that I break down the course. Like I, it's not financial advice. I'm confident in my process. It's worked for me over a large sample size, but I'm wrong all the time. Um, I think it's going to be brutal around the greens this week. I think there are going to be certain players that, you know, it speaks to the creativity aspect, right? So yeah, I could see what this, what the caddy is saying, right? Where you have somebody that like, there's kind of one stock chip that you can hit around Bay Hill, right? Out of that thick rough. But on this course, you're right. You do have options. Like if you're a guy that likes to go low, like Scotty Scheffler chips the ball low a lot, you know, you can do that. Justin Thomas likes to go a little bit higher and spinny. You can do that here. So I could I could definitely see players, you know, liking that they have options. But I would still say the degree of difficulty here is is pretty high. Yeah, options is not always a good thing either yeah right that that can kind of paralyze some guys who don't know necessarily which route to go when they're presented with a bunch of different options speaking of more questions than answers there are a couple of guys big boys that i want to at least spend a minute on bryson dechambeau seemingly going to play going to try to play the pga championship he's like four weeks four days removed from the procedure, the surgery done on his hand. Um, I assume he's going to play because Bryson's a nut. And as long as he can swing a, go- swing a golf club, he's going to play. Is there any realm DFS outright bets match? Like, is there any place that we could reasonably deploy Bryson? You know, did you look at the matchups, Rick? Do you want to know who he's matched up against? Tell me. Matthew Wolf. Wow, and he's and he's like minus one forty against. I did not Wolf. see that. No respect for the Oklahoma narrative. Um, here's what I'll say about Bryson. I think if you're playing 150 lineups, you should put him in five. I I, I think if you're playing 10, 20 lineups, I don't, I don't see it. If you want to throw 10 bucks on him at 130 to one, probably a good chance you're never going to see that number with Bryson again. I've definitely spent 10 bucks on stupider things over the years. Right. It's not for me this week, though. What about you? Uh, same. I, I am interested to see um, because he was not he has not played well this year. So I, I am interested mm-hmm. to see if like the procedure that he had done is kind of like a fix. And if maybe some of the things that he was struggling with, like his last three measured events, he lost multiple strokes off the tee. That's unheard of for Bryce. And he was horrible on approach. Like, was it because of the injury? You know what I mean? That That's what I'm excited to learn. I'm probably not going to learn that in one week. I might learn it in two starts and three starts and four starts, but I will take a longer wait and see apl- approach on Bryson um, as opposed to trying to be early on him. If you're playing 10 DraftKings lineups, yeah, who would you rather put in one? Louie, Bryson, or Tiger? 
Uh, that's pretty good. I guess uh, not Bryson. The answer These should questions pro- are my specialty record. <laughs> the answer should probably be Louis. Didn't he finish in the top 10 of like three major championships last year? Um, yeah. It should probably be Louis. Although I will tell you, and we'll get to it. Like I- I'm warmer on Tiger now than I was a day ago. I'm Ooh, warmer. I hear the case. I'm warmer on Tiger now than I was a week ago. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, this is not um, – the the stuff bef- that we saw before Augusta National, it was very closely guarded, right? We got re- we saw his plane landed in Augusta and it left. We had no video, photos, nothing. Well, not this time around. You know, he was there at Southern Hills a couple of weeks ago. There was video from there. He's been on the ground since Sunday, him playing with Gary Woodlands. Plenty of video, plenty of video throughout the week. He's been on live from uh, on the golf channel all day, Monday, all day, Tuesday. And I'll tell you what, he looks strong. He looks strong. And, and when you go back and you start looking at the numbers from the masters, you know, he gained like three and a half strokes on approach over the first two rounds and things started to fall apart after that. But like, I'm, 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 I'm getting warmer on the guy. I got to admit. So do you think books are going to give us like that plus money, make the cut thing again? Because I think this is a much harder cut to make than the Masters. It's I mean, just statistics. It's a cut, it's yeah. a much better field. Um, it is a easier walk than mm-hmm. the Masters, not by a lot, but for for all intents and purposes and everything I've heard, it's an easier walk than the Masters. He has those reps under competition. Like, okay, so if you feel that way, like, what do you think is the best way to deploy him? He's in a matchup against Patrick Reed. I don't like that. Cause I also kind of like read this week a little bit for other reasons, but like, how do we deploy tiger in that sense then? Um, round by round. So, so I think it's looking at round by round matchups. I think it's looking at his round by round props. There's actually, and prize picks. Yeah. Prize picks or spoiler alert. There's a prop coming up. Yeah. Here in, in just a few minutes, because what I also think we're still going to get is, you know, hey, he might fade on the weekend, right? Or we're going to be able to kind of see it. You could see the limp getting more pronounced every day at Augusta National. And I, I think we're going to see that. I don't want to get locked into four days of Tiger Woods. I just want to lock myself into one day, react to the information that we got, and lock into another day. Doesn't it feel, you know, Jeff, our friend Jeff Feinberg made this joke on the podcast we just did yesterday, but doesn't it feel like we're almost now taking tiger playing in majors for, for granted. Like I I know in the mainstream media, it's like a hundred percent. He still gets all the air in the room, but it almost felt like to me in our corner of the universe, you know, the gambling and DFS Twitter, it almost feels like I didn't hear the tiger craziness that I felt like I heard at the masters. I feel like Spieth is, is getting a lot of oxygen right now in the room. It almost feels like we're tigers, like tigers playing the PGA championship at a course. He's what, like what Uh, at the course, the last time we were here, he won at, I know, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. And I I guess it's just because before, and especially before the masters, it was the, will he, won't he now it's like, it's been obvious that he was going to play this for, weeks now so i think that kind of removed a lot of the intrigue and the intrigue around whether he's going to contend or not uh i don't think there's a lot of people taking the side of oh yeah he'll definitely be there in the mix on sunday i think most people are taking a 
more tempered approach to it, which I believe probably makes the intrigue less, but it shouldn't. By the way, the other thing that is sucking up some of the oxygen in the room is I woke up early this morning and I got a wonderful notification on my Audible app that my Phil audiobook was ready to rock. So the first thing I'm going to do later this afternoon is I'm going to go on a long walk and start the Phil book too, where it's like, that's this other elephant that's kind of hanging. <laughs> that's I'm, uh, kind of in the room too. I'm halfway through it, Andy. It's, oh, it's <laughs> the stories in there are even crazier than I could have imagined. From what it's I've just, heard. Just like classic a, Phil. Yeah. From what I've heard. Shipnuck does a really good job of it's craziness, but not salaciousness, if that makes sense, right? He's he's painting the picture accurately, and there are some ridiculous stories in there, but he's not trying to formulate your opinion on Phil. He lets you kind of be the judge of it. Honestly, the again, I'm halfway through. 95% of what I'm through right now is is Shipnuck just uh, quoting other people and naming right. them. Like, it's just people that he went out and quoted and said, uh, Luke Donald said this about him. And so-and-so played with him at this round and said this. Like, it's not even, there's very little opinion. You could you could argue, oh, how realistic are these quotes? But he's naming them. Like, I, I, I mean, it's just quotes is what it is. Right. And, and he went, actually, he did an interview about the book and he talked about, he said, I was probably able to use about, 10% of the explosive material that I received, there was some stuff that I heard that was extremely explosive and would yeah. be like world news. And I'm sitting there listening to the interview like, Jesus, does, does Phil have like a couple of dead bodies stored in his basement? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? You're using, this book is already cra crazy with, packed with juicy stuff. And you're telling me you're, you were only able to use 15% of the explosive information that you heard. So I'm very, very excited. And I'm excited that you're reading it too, because I'll want someone to talk about it with. Yeah. So it's, I'll be, I'll be done soon. It's very, very, very interesting stuff. Um, who is most likely on this slate to kind of break it for DFS purposes? And the way I generally look at that is, is obviously ownership or guys where, you know, sentiment might be down or maybe they're a high risk golfer. I'm kind of just looking at guys that are under 12% projected ownership at the moment. I'll throw in Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Sam Burns, Daniel Berger. Um, you could go down to Tiger. You could go down to Bryce. I mean, who is, who's the most likely candidate for Sunday evening to be like, oh yeah, okay, that guy, that guy kind of broke the slate. Well, you know what's super interesting about this week. And a lot of this has to do with how hot certain players got on Sunday at Byron Nelson. Uh, but to me, there's not a clear, like, I, I don't think anyone this week is going to be above 25%. I mean, are you seeing that in your early, I think it is. There are so many great options at the top to me, I guess the best pivot that you can find above nine K is DJ. I think DJ will be eight, 9%. But I don't see ownership gravitating completely to one person. I mean, the last two weeks, Rick, we had like Corey Connors at 30%. We had Will Zalatoris at 30%. The week before that, we had Rom at 35, 40%. John Rom won at 35%. Right. I think the highest owned guy on the slate is going to be Jordan Spieth because 
he's the perfect mix of you get the stat guys that are looking at the numbers. And then you also get the casuals that aren't looking at the numbers. Spieth checks the box for both of those guys, but I still think there's so many good players around Spieth that I don't see him crossing 25%. Does that sound fair to you? Yeah. I mean, as of, so I've, you know, did the early run of projections and the highest ownership that I came out with was 21 and a half percent on Justin right. Thomas. Now that assumes this all assumes, you know, 150 max, uh, like the large Millie maker events, obviously single sure. entries that that'll probably be higher than that. But yeah, you're right. There's just so many options and the pricing is so, so I mean, Matt Fitzpatrick, 7,900 bucks, right? Matt Fitzpatrick's the top I don't even know what his OWGR is, but he's like a top 18 player in the world. And when you go to a hard golf course, he's probably better than that. So it's like, there's just, there's just a lot of options, Andy. Right. And I'm going to talk about this uh, more in depth. Quick plug to the show. I'm having a guy on Rick who's won like a cool 500 K on DraftKings already this year. So we're about to, we're about to record a full DraftKings breakdown. And then, like I said, the other elephant in the room is, the weather is, you know, which is yeah. just so annoying to me because like, I hate when we have to deal. It's frustrating because I am tirelessly in pursuit of edges. So like, if I see something, I am fully comfortable being wrong and losing all my money. Like if I see an edge, I'm going to play it because if I happen to be right on that edge, it's going to pay off big time for me. I just, that's how I play. I play very aggressively in that sense where I'm okay if I'm wrong, but it's very, it, it is it is very hard to decipher this week because a lot of things happened on Sunday where I'll give you this example, Rick walking out of Augusta on Sunday when Rory shot that round. Yeah. I, and I think we talked about it on the scramble to me after that happened on Sunday, I remember the atmosphere in the room. I thought that Rory would be the guy at the PGA championship. I mean, how do you not watch that Sunday round? And not, you know, be super excited about him and his next major. Fast forward a week. After Rom wins Mexico, everyone's talking about Rom's back. Rom's the guy. I haven't heard a peep about Rom this week. Rom's going to go under owned, right? And it's like, then the Byron Nelson happens. And it's like, all these guys are shooting 60s out there. Xander Shoffley is one birdie away from being you know, 5% owned. Now he's going to be 15, maybe 20% owned because you know, he's eight strokes out of the cut line with 14 holes to play on Friday. Right. And then Hideki goes nuts and speed goes nuts and JT goes nuts. And it's like, now you have this situation where everyone is playing such, such good golf that it, it just, it spreads things out so evenly, which I think is a fun week and a really interesting week to talk about, if that makes sense. I love it. And you're absolutely right. The, the, like the reason the short-term recency bias is amazing in our world. I, I, you know, two rounds this way, two rounds that way, right? A shot. If, if Xander misses the cut last week, uh, imagine what we been talking about. Right? He's 40 to one. If Xander misses the cut, right? It's like, can't lay, can't lay his last two starts. Rick are a win where you could argue that he carried the team. He certainly played better than his partner and a playoff loss where he gained like 10 strokes ball striking. It's yesterday's right. news. It's yesterday's news. It's incredible. It's incredible. Okay, Andy, it's time. Um, we are going to get to the props next. So we've got four props over at Prize Picks. Uh, this is kind of the way I want to talk about Tiger Woods specifically as well. The code you're looking for there is Rick. There's a link in the description. Get signed up. Get ready to rock and roll because we're going to release the props on the other side. <laughs> 
I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top 10s, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. All right, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot here. These are four props available at Prize Picks. And as I, uh, I, am, I think they're going to be dropping more. So they've got uh, round by round strokes available. They've got uh, the birdies or better available. They also have, uh, this is my favorite, Andy, the holes played props. And they set basically everybody at 36 and a half. Their little way of getting, uh, just say, to make the cut, which right. I, I love that. That's going to be available. Then I imagine we're going to see fairways and single holes and all that fun stuff as well. Yeah. I would imagine that they add stuff. It's going to be interesting to see if they dabble into hole by hole stuff because, you know, they don't have any data. Yeah. They'll get crushed on that. I agree. (laughs) And I don't know how much they're going to be looking at stuff that we're looking at, like the wind and hole and pin positions. But, um, I thought the, before we get started real quick, what did you think overall about where they set the scoring props? Did they kind of fall in line with what you think the scores would be? So I think they're a little, um, high. Yeah, me too. Right. Okay. Now that's again, this could change if if it gets really windy or like the afternoon wave or something like that gets blown right. away. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, there, there's also this other. OK, so most of the props lines are like 71 or 72 or 71 and a half, somewhere in between there. These guys are really good, Andy, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. yes, the golf course is going to be hard. It's not like there's going to be zero under par rounds and also right. 71's not even under par that's one over so right. there's going to be guys that shoot even par and beat their prop pretty easily so i i think they are a hair high right i agree with you i took one and i mean i would encourage people check back once you get tea times um i think yeah. the afternoon on thursday is supposed to be quite a bit more windy than the morning. I would have to check on that again. I haven't checked the weather since last night, but um, I kind of found myself, you know, I straddled the fence with this one. I took one over and one under the over that I took. Um, can we release the prop? Yes. I mean, release them, release them all. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy. Okay. So listen, this is not a stats one for me. I mean, you could make it a stats one really, but I was texting with somebody who was there yesterday at the practice round, he told me that Brooks Kepka hit some terrible golf shots. That's good enough for me because that would pretty much fall in line with how he's looked over the last six months. I just, I don't see it. I get the major thing. I think the withdrawal was weird. You know, yeah. he, maybe he just doesn't have it. Um, and if he beats me, I'm willing to look stupid on that one. But I just, I don't think he has it. I don't see it. So over 72 for Brooks. The the weirdest part about that is he has always um, basically always played himself into a major championship the week before. Right. 
And when you are in the field at the Byron Nelson and then you withdraw on, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, it doesn't matter, whatever it was, a couple days in advance, um, not being ready to go is that's pretty concerning because we hadn't seen him before that since the masters. Right. So we had four right. weeks to get right, which is where we heard he kind of tweaked. I think it's a back or whatever it is, but like, that's kind of where it came from. So that, that is, that's worrisome, Andy. Right. And it's like, we, I thought he was healthy to be honest with you. So it's like, what's more concerning for you? If Brooks is healthy and he just, doesn't have it right now or if brooks is still battling more injuries that we don't even know about like neither of them are good for sure no i i i completely agree um so it's over 72 strokes for brooks kepka round one i've got under 71 and a half for xander shoffley in round one so andy i went back and i looked he's played uh 19 major championships uh which means he's played 19 first rounds at major championships of those 19 he's gained strokes on the field in 16 of them 16 out of 19 that's already nuts he's gained yeah. four or more strokes seven out of 19 times more than a third of the time he's gained four or more strokes in the opening round at major championships he's obviously coming off of um you know, if that event last week was th the final three rounds, he would have won it by two shots. He's coming off all of that. He is generally a fast starter at major championships. I do have kind of longer term uh, concerns of like, uh, he's just kind of average around the green. His putter's just been kind of average, but this is the, this is the way I'd rather deploy him than play the game theory ownership game with everybody else in DFS. I'd rather take the opening rounds under on Xander. You don't have to twist my arm on this one. I mean, the what? So the other thing that I'll say to you is, the guy that I was texting that told me that Brooks didn't look good, I joked with him. I said, okay, the one thing that I care about knowing the most is, is Xander going to have a computer with him on the putting green? Because I do not like how much of a tinkerer he is. And Wednesday on Wednesday before the Masters, he had a computer with him on the putting green and his putting coach, and it's like. I don't want Steph Curry the night before the NBA game, one of the NBA finals hooked up to a machine shooting free throws. Like we did the work. We're ready to go. Right. And I got confirmed no computer on the putting green for Xander. He's feeling himself right now from everything I've heard in his camp. Like he, that was a lot that, and I know people can poo poo it. Oh, you know, Byron Nelson making the cut on the number, but that was a lot. He's going to be there this week. I don't know if he's going to win, but he's going to play well. So I'm with you. I think he gets off to a really hot start. So we've got Brooks over 72 strokes, Xander under 71 and a half. Breaking news, Andy. One minute ago, Brooks Kepka tweeted that he is locked out of his car and he is waiting for someone to come get him to go to Southern Hill. So it's already, this guy's got bad juju all week long. Is this like a pimp thing too? Like, I feel like he's like kind of like left the narrative slightly with all these guys playing great again and speed. And, you know, he just hasn't been relevant this year. And because his play's not good enough. His high, the and, highlight of the year was when he beat the crap out of Brooks at the win or uh, out of Bryson right. at the win. Right. And they don't even, they're not even giving him a second go. It's Patrick Mahomes' turn now. It's quarterback season. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking anyway. of Patrick's, Speaking of Patrick's, you've got uh, Patrick Cantlay under 71 and a half strokes here as your second prop. Right. Speaking of fast starters, 
Number yes. one this year in round one scoring average, Patrick Cantlay. Um, I love how well-rounded his game is for this golf course. Arguably the best bent grass putter in the world. I mean, he's had the best strokes game putting performance of the strokes gain era on bent grass greens at Caves Valley when he beat the aforementioned Bryson in a playoff. It's just clean golf wreck. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. Again, it's like, it feels like the guy's yesterday's news because we haven't seen him in three or four weeks, but the guy's coming off a playoff loss and a win. And in his last individual stroke play uh, start, he gained over 10 strokes ball striking. So it still seems a little out of sight, out of mind in terms of his form, where it's like I've kept saying, I keep saying Patrick Cantlay's a top three player in the world, but he's not priced that way this week. And 71.5 is on the higher end in terms of the elite. So that's an easy under for me. Easy under Patrick Cantlay, 71 and a half. And then I kind of teased this already. Um, I'm I'm going to do it. I'll take what is essentially the Tiger Woods to make the cut prop here over 36 and a half holes played. Um, again, I think the most likely scenario is he plays his best golf early in the week, fades as the week goes on. Uh, first two rounds at Augusta National, 1.7 gains on approach in each of the first two rounds. That's all I need him to get through. I think these smaller greens where you've got to be on the correct uh, quadrant or the correct spot, I think if he can go out and, and strike it like he did in the first couple of rounds at Augusta National, we've got ourselves the ability to make the cut. And then the other thing is, Andy, um, you know, some of these some of these books out here are offering the make the cut numbers. He's minus 150 to do so. Now, we could argue you remove the juice, you remove the tiger factor. Maybe it's closer to even money, but I, I, I still believe I'm on, the, I'm on the right side of this. And I think we get the same thing where he kind of fades on the weekend. The other thing that I like about Tiger, Rick, is that, from where it seems now with the wind, the big advantage is going to be AM PM. And we know that they're going to put tiger in the afternoon Friday slot lock lock of the century. If there was a, if there was a prop about which wave tiger is going to be in, I would empty the bank account on AM PM. Who do you think he gets paired with this week? You have any guesses? T time should be out any second, by the way. Yeah, they should be out soon. Um, I will say they put him with, let's see, hold on. You got to find like a narrative, right? Like there's, there's going to be like, um, I'm trying who to else think has I, won as many PGA championships as he has. I mean, Brooks, I mean, not as many, but Brooks is probably the closest guy. I can't remember, Rick. I feel like there's one major championship that, kind of likes to do weird stuff with tea times and the other two are kind of boring. Like, I think like, I, I can't remember whether it's the USGA or the PGA of America that they'll do some like funny stuff with tea times and the other two or make it kind of boring. Mm. I can't remember. I think like last time at the masters, the masters were like, it was Louie. I forgot who the, it was Louie and Neiman. Right. Right. Like they're not going to put him with Justin Thomas. They're not going to put him. God, Spieth would be electric. That would be, Spieth would be electric. Man. Even I, like, if I, I think it'll be like Hideki and, uh, Rom. I don't, that would be awesome too. I, I don't know. No, it'll be like Hideki and like Adam Scott. Right. Something. I would agree with you. 
I would agree with you. It'll just be like the yeah. global. It'll be like the like. Okay, here's like the most. You know, everybody in Asia wants to know what Hideki's up to. Everybody in the world wants to know what Tiger's doing. Uh, Adam Scott gets the cover. Australia. Adam Scott's just handsome. Yeah, it's like everyone's gonna love looking at him the whole time. Don't, his, don't worry about it. In his all tan outfit for four days straight. Brutal. Uh, all right, those are the props. Uh, go and get them at Prize Picks. The code is Rick. The link is in the description. We still got to do head-to-head matchups, and we've got to do our one-and-done selections. We will do those after these words. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now yes single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck Andy, head-to-head matchups, you're at it again. Three and one last week, 44, 24, and four for the season. We had, uh, there's only four because we had a Brooks-related matchup, which uh, we watched. I forget who he was up against, but I wiped it. So we only had four for last week, back to five this week. And there are, uh, I mean, they're, they're all basically big boppers here. So I guess we can just... Run right into this. Two guys that we've already chatted about a bit. Patrick Cantlay versus Cam Smith. Andy, what side would you like? I went with Cantlay, and I um, I already spoke about why I like Cantlay for some of the uh, prize picks section. You know, I'm like over a large sample size. I'm like close to 65% on these matchups. So at this point, I'm kind of just like, I play with house money and I'm, I'm a little cocky. Like I see you take one guy and it's like, ah, I can make the argument for the other guy. Um, I like both of these. This is a tough one. Um, I think we've spoken about Cam Smith a little bit already in the show as well. Um, I would imagine, what do you think this one is? Like minus 110, something like that? Uh, I can find out for you, but yeah, it is... Um... I'm trying to remember where I grabbed these from this Cam morning. Smith's going to love this course. Yeah, th- okay. I really like, believe that. Yeah. There was that question earlier that was like, why is this not Cam Smith? I was like, who, who said it's not right? Cam yeah. Smith's <laughs> awesome. Uh, he's got the short game of just an absolute wizard and he's, he's been phenomenal. Right. So why, why wouldn't he love this? I'm going to see if I can find who is it? Smith and Cantlay. Okay. Um, uh, th- okay, so I got these are from Bet Three Six Five. Uh, they're okay. both minus one ten. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I would imagine that too. So can't lay for Andy. I'll take Cam Smith. How about this one? Hatton versus Horschel. Terrell Hatton, Billy Horschel. Um, I took Billy Horschel here. I'm not super thrilled about it. Listen, I, I do think that Billy is. Um, Better than everybody wants to give him credit for because he's kind of like annoying and like all that. He's not fun to watch. He wins more than people realize because he wins the weird stuff and he wins on the European tour. And then he played well with Sam Burns again at the Zurich. And he's in the midst of a pretty good season. And while he's never had a lot of major championship success, the PGA Championship's been the best spot for him. I think he's made 
eight cuts in a row. He's only played it nine times. So it's just like, I don't love this, but I think that Billy Horschel's being as disrespected as you can be for a guy who's not like a big name. Right. Well, I want to start by saying there's a chance that both these caddies have to go into witness protection after these guys see some of the bounces that they're going to get around Southern Hills. I mean, yeah. can we get these guys in the same group, by the way? Yeah, this is going to be grumpy city with these guys. But, you know, Southern Hills is such a good course at eliminating predictable outcomes. You know, they're, they're, you're going to get some absolutely crazy bounces around here and, and the ball, your ball is going to run away off to faraway places when it hits the ground which I don't think spells well for either of these guys' you know, mental uh, mental fortitude in that sense. With that being said, Hatton's done it before at Shinnecock, which is the other course where it's like you have all that short grass around the green and you get these crazy bounces. Hatton finished six at Shinnecock. Um, I thought his comments around the Masters about the design of Augusta were like abhorrent. Like I thought that was like a, that like angered me as somebody that appreciates is a historian of architecture. You're really going to criticize Alistair McKenzie. So, but, so that was a huge red flag for me. And Southern Hills has very similar bones to Augusta and is comes out of the same kind of school of thought, but I just had a little bit better and I'm going to die on the Shinnecock Hill tale. So split there. There will be blood Hatton for Andy Horschel for myself. Here's a couple of big boys, Rory McIlroy versus Justin Thomas. This was the hardest one for me. Uh, I just opted for JT. It's kind of just so stinky at the moment of how good he's been. And for his purposes has nothing to show for it, right? Like he doesn't care about a sixth place finish or a T eight or anything else. He's just constantly on the first page of the leaderboard. No wins this year. He is, um, you know, you talk about having all the shots around the green. JT's got all the shots around the green and he doesn't miss a lot of greens. I, I just can't envision a world in which JT is not in the mix again. This is my betting card right here. These are, these are the two guys that I think are mm. most likely to win in my opinion. They're number one and number two in the model that I made. Um, I saw you took JT and I took the other side. I mean, I've done a lot on Rory. I actually have a kind of strong take on Rory this week, um, but both fantastic options. Probably minus one ten, I would imagine something like that too. But I'll take yeah. the other side and go Rory. What's the uh, what's the strong Rory take? Well, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I think there was one narrative that I wanted to smash through about Rory's wedge play. I like. I think I have a take about whether this course is better for a drawer or a fader of the ball. I have some takes about the lack of respect his short game gets. Um, I mean, you, who led the field in around the green at Augusta is Rory McIlroy. You go through the historic um, stuff with the masters. And I know that we don't have leader uh, strokes gain for all of them, but you look at who's tops in the field and scrambling almost every year at the masters. It's Rory McIlroy. And, you know, he doesn't get talked about as one of the best bunker players and best short game guys in the world, but he's right there. I mean, and he, I think that is, in my opinion, the best way to simulate the types of shots that you're going to have to hit around Southern Hills. Look at the guys who led in around the green at the Masters. That's the closest you're going to get. You're not, don't look at strokes gain around the green from the Valero Texas Open. It's not going to do you anything. Right. Um, so I think I'm a lot more bullish on Rory than most this week, but I'm also very bullish on JT. That'd be a cool final pairing, wouldn't it? 
Rory. And- that'd be a cool one to stick Tiger in too. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Uh, speaking of Tiger, so I was just watching him on the range. Do you find it? Do you find it interesting that Tiger Woods has a phone case on his cell phone on his iPhone? No. Why? <laughs> because if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't care if I smashed my phone. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that Tiger probably, like, he doesn't even. He has somebody that probably does like everything for him. So there's probably somebody that's like Tiger. Here's, you know, here's your phone case. Right. Yeah, I get. I, right. They just hand like, here's your new phone or whatever. Like, I hate having a phone case. So I have like the thinnest one possible because I don't want to drop it and break it and have to replace it or whatever. But if I was Tiger Woods, I would just let it fly naked because who cares? I'll just have someone run out and grab me another one. I was going to just make a really bad joke about how Tiger has somebody that does everything for him except drive. But we're going to keep that one. We'll, we'll workshop <laughs> that. For, we'll continue to workshop <laughs> that one. Sam Burns versus Joaquin Neiman. Uh, disappointing in different ways last week. Sam Burns misses the cut. Not great, Bob. Joaquin Neiman in the mix just gives it away on Sunday. Just like never, no heartbeat on Sunday whatsoever. Couldn't find it. I've been optimistic about Neiman uh, kind of longer term for for this championship, even for, for last week. I like that he has a lot of different shots in his game. I can forgive him for Sunday's round. I've opted for him here, but man, I wish I could, I wish I saw a sign of life on Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, both great options. Both haven't really done a thing in majors. I think both are, I don't think it's going to stay that way forever. I think both are going to turn into good major players. They're both just too good. Um, I'll take the other side of it with Burns. Um, I don't love that he missed the cut at all either, but I do think that he is like his talent. He has so much talent that it is impossible for him to continue to be this poor in majors. Uh, So I'll take the other side and and rock with Burns this week. The biggest of boys, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm round out our matchups for this week. And you and I have finally found some common ground. Andy, what side are we on in this matchup? I went with Scheffler. Mm-hmm. And again, I just, I hear the way that Rom talks about like when he gets mud balls and the expression on his face when he misses a putt, I just like, I don't like it. I, I just like, I don't like that on this golf course. Um, Scheffler is like the, like, what's your mental state if Scheffler wins? Because we're not betting him. <laughs> I will be, no, I will be like, are we thoroughly impressed? Idiots? Right. And, like, and just like, uh, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to bet this guy at 12 to one and he wins? You know, four of them are probably at like 12 to one. I, I, I don't know. I would have, maybe have to reassess a lot of, a lot. At least it's just one guy, right? It would be it would be different if every single week a different twelve to one guy won, wouldn't it? it I can almost convince myself that's just like ah, I missed out on the Scotty train. That's okay, all time heater, no big deal. But if it was five different guys at twelve to one, I I would be reassessing my life. It's just interesting to me because if Rom went on the run that Sheffler just went on, or even Rory or JT, he'd be. 35% owned this week, 40% owned this week. And it's like, <laughs> I, 
I just think I think it's just fatigue, right? It just has to be fatigue. I think people are like, okay, it's someone else's turn, right? Yeah, and Scotty, um, so I, I think there's kind of a couple paths to the top of the board here. Elite iron play or really good short game. Luckily for Scotty Scheffler, he's got both, and he's just rocking and rolling. I mean, the, what he's doing statistically is insane. Um, the fact that he made – he was, what, tied for the lead in birdies – through three rounds last week, like is also insane. He's just relentless. He never stops. He talks about that in his in his in his uh, post tournament presser at the Masters. It was like, yeah, I just like go to the golf course every day and like try to get better. Like I just play golf. This isn't going to change me at all. And I'm not really sure it's changed him at all. He's just relentless. I mean, he, it's a great golf course for him. Like you look at the course fit too, and it's like, man, this is a good golf course for Scotty. Anyway, I think he's going to play better than Rom this week. Um, I'm going to think about other ways to deploy him. I think his ownership's going to be lower than people think. One and done. I've been trying to cherry pick the numbers, Andy, to find a good a good stat, stat or stretch for me. Over the last six events, I've made two point one million. You've made nine hundred and sixty nine thousand. I would prefer not to look at the other events. I just want to look at the last six. Uh, and you just missed your first cut of the year. After 17 straight made cuts, right? Something like that. 19 straight. Yeah. You missed your first cut. Thanks, uh, Taylor. Will you? Yeah, Taylor Gooch, I had Scotty Scheffler. I got 161,000. So the season update, you're at 4.2. I'm at 3 million. I would, I would like you to panic. Are you going to panic this week? Kind of like I, <laughs> you're in the rear view mirror and I took someone that I believe to be very safe. Um, I don't know if I see a scenario and this is a guy that I'm, is not going to be on my betting card. Uh, I'm probably not going to play him in DraftKings. He's probably not going to have any finishing position props or matchups on or against him. But I think this is, he's not going to be in my other one and done leagues with a lot of people because I think he's going to be very popular, but I'm going to roll out a little Jordan Spieth against you, Rick. I'm going to roll out just a little, just a little, you know, best he's driven the ball in his career. Like, I don't think there is, a ton of famous last words, right? I don't see a scenario where he isn't around and relevant in this tournament. I don't know if he's coming off a miscut at the masters. I know, but man, I wanted to fade speed really badly. And I am in other markets, but the ball striking numbers are, they're pretty hard to ignore. I feel comfortable that speed will be there for me. I, I, I feel comfortable about that too. Listen, I, I played Jordan Spieth in the, the first cut one and done last week and got a million bucks. And like, yeah, you're there's, he has not tapped into the ceiling yet, which is kind of scary, which is, yeah. which is kind of scary for me. I went with a guy that, um, on Thursday morning when I watched him play five holes, the Byron Nelson, I bet. And I said, yep, yep, yep. It's time. It's Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, so obviously Andy, we've got a couple of guys who, you know, have played well around Augusta national. Uh, I believe that Hideki, if the greens were the size of my desk, uh, would hit them more than anybody else, right? And and we are in the midst of 
probably his best, uh, definitely his best putting year ever. And the going back to the Zozo, he's been phenomenal. Seems healthy to me. I'm rolling with Decky. I got an outright ticket on him. I am using him here. I went to see if you had used him and you had not. Let me confirm that. You had not. So I got mm-hmm. into the outline as quick as possible because I knew you wouldn't pick the same guy that I picked. <laughs> I don't know how you don't love Hideki this week too. Like he is, this yeah. is a perfect golf course for him. Like you want to, there's a very short list of guys that are elite iron players and elite around the greens. JT falls into that category. Hideki falls into that category. Spieth right now falls into that category. Not always with the irons, but right now he falls into that category. I, why not? Why not? I think he's a top, he's got to be considered a top five favorite in this tournament right now, the way he's playing and he's not priced that way. So I love the pick. 2.2, I think it's 2.1 up top, but at least $2 million up for grabs. And we've got a couple of stars. So I think there's going to be uh there's going to be some movement, hopefully from me towards you and not from you towards the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. What else? All right, buddy. That was fun. No, I know you got, you got another show, but are you doing first cut with me tomorrow? Okay. I was going to text you about that. Yes. Uh, awesome. I will be on, I will be on a lot of first cut this week, obviously, but yes, I will be there tomorrow. We're going to do like a live chat. DFS betting Q and a, um, which will be fun. So yeah, I saw that you were, I saw that you were on the sheet. I was going to text you about that. That's exciting. Okay. Wonderful. I hope I get another crack at coach because he's, uh, he took my money last week. I mean, or, or at the masters. So <laughs> get yeah, even we'll with him. Love to, love to get a yeah. little revenge there. Um, all right, that'll do it. Uh, scramble for this week. Again, if you're looking for the prize picks link, it's in the description. The code is Rick. Andy is available on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run. Good. Armina does all the producing behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Good luck this week. Talk to you soon.